Welcome to Fresh Press for the 17th of December, 2019. I'm Gabe. Oh, is that my cue? Let's start over. It, it typically <laughs> is. Let's try. <laughs> I was, I'm sorry. I was reading about a bird. For Why later. are you reading? It's a music podcast. The, okay. Gabe, you'll understand later. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Take two. Hi. Welcome to Fresh Press for the 17th of December, 2019. I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And I'm Christine. And we are the three hosts of Fresh Press. Um, this is a show about music where we talk about uh, new tunes, old grooves. And this week we have a guest. And that guest is Christine Previs. Yes. Christine, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi, Christine. Gabe, did you have some sort of blurb that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, well, maybe I would introduce our listeners to the wonderful and talented Christine. Um, Go ahead. So for everybody's knowledge, they are a PhD student, yeah, at Columbia Mm -hmm. studying queer horror. really did your research. First statement you make, like, yeah, is that right? (laughs) Even though I confirmed it yesterday. Uh, Rechecking Twitter bio. Um, (laughs) Christine is also a designer of their own RPGs and, like, other thought-provoking games, and we'll plug that later. Um, A talented writer and, of course, uh, a host of our other favorite podcast, uh, The Unexplored Places. And so, uh, notably for this week, in honor of Friday the 13th, maybe? Maybe? Um, (laughs) Christine, you're a a monster's expert. Hey, look, look, look. (laughs) You're a monsters expert. And I that's am. our theme. So wh- why maybe why monsters? Or tell us a little <laughs> bit about monsters. <laughs> this is going great. Uh ooh, why monsters? Uh because <laughs> what a terrible question that I have no answer to, despite the fact that I've been doing research on monsters for upwards of seven years now. Um Yeah, so wait, maybe tell us a little bit about your like academic background to start and then move yeah so uh i'm a student in english and comparative literature at columbia Uh, my research is in queer horror Um, but prior to that uh all of my research academically has been in monsters so in undergrad i did research about vampires and then i got my master's two years back um at the university of cambridge where i wrote about frankenstein Specifically looking at the ways that uh, societal perceptions of queerness show up in the way that monsters change over time. That's really cool. Do you have a specific pithy definition for what a monster is in the context that you've been researching it? We use the word monster in so many ways. There's like very literal monsters, which is sort of what I focus on. You know, your werewolves, your vampires, your Frankenstein's monsters, your... Mothmans, etc. Um, but then, like, people also use monster to talk about, like, a person who does bad shit is a monster. Um, and those tend to be, like, two very separate categories of, of definition. Um, the way that I think about monsters um, comes partly from, like, the original, I guess, etymology of the word monster, which comes from the Latin for warning. So, like, in old maps, you'd see the monsters at the edges of the maps beyond where they knew what there was. Um, It's this idea that, like, 
the monsters that I look at are, are monsters that define the boundaries of like what is and isn't allowed um, or permissible as behavior, as identity, as nature, as appearance, as anything like that. How did you first get started uh, like seriously researching monsters um, outside of maybe just being interested in them? Um, I didn't realize that monsters were like a thing that you could study. I was like an English major in undergrad and I was like, oh, you know, you can study like romantic poets or like medieval manuscripts or like contemporary American fiction. And that's about it, um, which is not true at all. I've now learned, thankfully. Um, but I took a, a medieval literature course in undergrad where we read Beowulf, which obviously has some pretty famous monsters. Um, and one of the readings that one of my professors gave us was a, uh, an article by Jeffrey Jerome Cohen called Monster Culture, um, which sort of like served as the entry point into my research into the field of monster theory. Um, and then from there, it kind of spiraled outwards. So fascinating. Um, so, Christine, I understand you've brought some music for us this week. I have. To explore. Um, so we'll start with all of our monster music, which uh, I gather also blends from your time in the UK. Uh, funny enough, it doesn't. <laughs> I did bring a, an English uh, artist this week, um, but I actually didn't hear this song until earlier this year when I was living in Baltimore, which is not the UK. Um, so the song, uh, uh, the, the monster-themed song that I brought this week is a song called Monster by Dodie. Dodie is an English singer-songwriter. She got her start at, uh, doing covers on YouTube and then uh, put out an EP in 2016, uh, 2017, and then an album in uh, 2019. How did you first become familiar with Dodie? Uh, so one of her videos randomly came across my YouTube, <clears throat> probably because the title of the song is Monster, <laughs> which... Uh, obviously the Google al algorithm has pretty much figured out is kind of my niche. <laughs> um, and I was, I was in the process of moving from Baltimore to New York where I am now, uh, and just like putting random music on YouTube while I was trying to pack. Uh, and it just like came up on a playlist and, uh, I really liked it. So I kept listening to her and now she's one of my favorite artists. So this song was your first introduction to Dodie? This song was my first introduction to Dodie. Specifically, I linked you guys to a, um, a specific version of this song, which is a version that Dodie did with uh, Pomplamoose. Um, and that was the original video that came across my YouTube feed. To be so mean, I'm guessing that I've grown hot. I guess I'm human no more. I can tell I've hurt it in your brain. I'm a crazy bitch. I craft my words to fit your head because no one listens to the dead. So I, like Andrew, am a lyrics person, generally speaking. Um, so probably it was the lyrics that 
um, that really pulled me to this song. Um, Dodie has, uh, I read this interview with her um, where she talks about the sort of what inspired her to write this song. Um, and she says that she was inspired by uh, the moment in which I sat opposite of someone who I once loved and who once loved me in a way and realized now was the moment they started to hate me. Oof. And so it's this very kind of like light, like sounding song. Um, but when you actually listen to the lyrics, it's it's very much about like looking at someone and seeing yourself reflected and like seeing that they see you as a monster. There's this great lyric, um, I'm guessing that I've grown horns. I guess I'm human no more. I can tell I've rotted in your brain. How easily passion twists. You think I'm a crazy bitch. And like that section there really spoke to me <laughs> the first time I listened to this song. Yeah, I mean, I think um, part of what that, the thing that you're talking about, the difference between the, the musical presentation, like what the actual words are saying, sort of contributes to this like, I don't know, in some ways it's it's, she's like outside of the situation mm -hmm. which is a very monstrous thing that you can talk more about but i mean like <laughs> it almost feels like an out-of-body experience to me where she's like oh this is how this is i thought we were like just talking as people but like you are thinking of me as this crazy person mm -hmm. yeah i think also something that interests me about this song is it ties into the theme of um, monsters as a, like a dehumanization of a person um like you mean rather than something that is entire like entirely separate from a person you mean something that like was once a person and has changed exactly and now because they are a monster and not a person we can treat them worse look we know that i've seen this before high and mighty at the top of your list adoring every move and my rank is sinking but we're both guilty of black or white thinking Andrew, you also have a song about monsters that is quietly devastating. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, uh, this week, have decided to burn my, my one... <laughs> my... The one Sufjan allowance Gabe has given me um, on uh, Sufjan Stevens' song, Wallawa Lake Monster. As if you know the story of Wallawa Lake, Leviathan first did in the deep where her children sleep. She kept them Um, so this is a track off of the um, Greatest Gift EP, which uh, Sufjan released after his big album from, God, how long ago was that? Like five years ago. Uh, Carrie and Lowell. It um, interweaves the story of his mother with um, sort of the mythos of the Wallawa Lake monster, which is just sort of a, I mean, it's a lake monster in Oregon, which is where Sufjan spent some of his young life. Like many Sufjan songs, there's a lot of words in this song that you need to <laughs> go open a dictionary or an encyclopedia for. 
Sorry, Andrew, you didn't know what spathophyllum was? I still don't. Haven't looked that one up. I assume it's a it's a plant. That's all I got. Also known as the peace lily in English. Okay. The plant's flowers exchanged in mourning in some cultures. Interesting. Well, I do know what a cedar waxwing is. Um, it's a bird that eats berries, and sometimes it eats uh, overripe fermented berries and gets drunk. So, wow, that's hilarious! I did I not do. know that. It's it is hilarious, but then also uh, in the context the of the is, song, not yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, the line is, and like the cedar waxwing, she was drunk all day, which is just about his mother's alcoholism. Less. Yeah. Funny. Let me be clear. There is nothing in this song that is humorous. It is no. like so much of Carrie and Lowell, uh, like a tear fest. Just like, just rip your soul out and stomp around on it for six minutes of music. Yeah. So uh, the sort of conceit of the song is that um, Sufjan is connecting the legend of the Wallawa Lake monster and just sort of monsters in general um, to his mother's difficulties with addiction and with mental health um, issues, mental illness. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's like you said, it's, it's really uh, poignant and uh, powerful. Something else that I was interested in the song was uh, the the music itself, which uh, obviously Sufjan is this brilliant lyricist, but uh, the production is gorgeous. Also, um, at the beginning, it's like it sounds like there's two overlapping guitars, and one of them is just playing like these ringing harmonics. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how he creates that effect, but it it reminded me of some of the time I've spent in Oregon as like a very misty hidden place. And I think the production reflects some of that as well. Hmm. Yeah. It sort of fits with the, uh, the themes of, of myth and, and legend that are woven through the song as well. Um, yeah. I think what's really interesting that he does with the lyrics here is that at sort of the end of each verse, he does this distancing between like what he's calling the monster or the demon and like his mother as a person. And so there's a way of like abstracting her out from from the things like her alcoholism and her mental illness and the things that that make the experience difficult and making that the monster, separating that out. Um, you, you read, we put her in the sheet little wreath, candles on the crate, but the next line, as the monster showed its face. And there's this, almost this sort of transformational aspect of like, at one point she is, the mother, and then the mon- the monster sort of takes over at certain points. The sheet, little wreath, candles on the grate. As the monster showed his face. The sheet waits for her children. Uh, 
Um, so Gabe, do you have anything maybe, maybe less sad and depressing <laughs> that's uh, monster related you can give to it's us? Really easy to be less sad than this one. Yeah, it can only go up from here, but I did go in the opposite direction of Sufjan Stevens and even a little bit from Dodie. Um, I chose the song Be My Monster Love. Uh, by the David Murray Infinity Quartet featuring Macy Gray off their 2013 record of the same title. Be my monster love, yeah, the money of my dreams. Lift me from my bed of flowers. So the David Murray Infinity Quartet um, consists of David Murray, uh, who plays the saxophone, um, Mark Carey on the keys, Jaribo Shahid on bass, and then Nasheed Waits playing the drums. Um, and then the jazz vocalist um, with that stunning raspy voice is Macy Gray. David Murray is uh, a fairly well-known tenor saxophone mainly, um, saxophone player uh, from Oakland. Um, he's been recording absolutely prolifically from the 1970s onward. Also, I didn't know any of this, but apparently he won a Guggenheim Fellowship. He was named Musician of the Decade for the 70s by The Village Voice. Um, Newsday, of all publications, chose him as their Musician of the Year for 1993. Uh, fun tidbits. Um, but... The thing I love about this particular song, Be My Monster Love, is how playful it is, um, which hopefully provides a nice contrast to the strains of Carrie and Lowell. And Macy Gray brings just a wonderful, a wonderful tenor to the song that I enjoy. But some things I wanted to point out, um, we haven't done really any jazz yet on this um, here podcast. Um, but um, listen into the song. You can listen for uh, Mark Carey on the keys is doing some really interesting counter melodies. Wait, hold on, underneath. Gabe, back up. Hold on a second. Did you forget the first episode when we talked about Jeff Goldblum and his his wonderful <laughs> jazz album? I I did actually. <laughs> Apologies to Mr. Goldblum. Anyway, but now that we're doing real jazz, um, Oof. something I wanted to point out. Shots fired is uh, Mark Carey's, uh, who's on the piano, playing these really interesting and fun counter melodies underneath Macy Gray as she's singing. So you'll have Gray singing and then um, kind of off of her vocalizations and off of her music, he'll play something interesting almost as a continuous response, um, which is something you see fairly often, and but really good jazz musicians um, can make it sound so smooth and beautiful. And you also hear it um, from Nasheed Waits, who is playing the drums, um, who is doing really interesting uh, drum work um, with syncopated hits on the cymbals and in the toms um, that is really enjoyable, um, certainly to me. My monster love, I left the window half open, climbing. My neck is yours. 
Suck me till I'm anemic is an mm-hmm. That was the one I was waiting phrase. to pull out as well. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the combination of these two, uh, these two lines one after another, my neck is yours, suck me till I'm anemic. Yikes. Gabe, you always bring the sexy songs to this podcast. I think that uh, does say something about us, doesn't it? I think it says something about you. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> In Gabe's defense this week, very much in the way of things written about monsters, is also sexy, historically mm, speaking. So one of us had to bring a sexy song. Yeah, I was going to talk about that, Christina. I was hoping maybe you have some more to say about it, because there is like, I think this they might classic have, idea have a couple things of... to say about sexy monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like we, from our perspective in 2019, look at it as there's a classic idea of falling in love with the monster. It's history, I think, actually comes back to this idea of the monster being, like, sexually attractive, um, but, like, the thing you're not supposed to want. Um, So, like, particularly with my research looking at queer sexuality, monsters in gothic literature, things like that, are pretty much always, like, they're very sexy and very appealing because they're, like, the queer desire that you're supposed to repress and ignore. Um, Or they're, like, emblematic of, like, over-the-top female sexuality or things like that. Um, And as as society sort of opens up a little bit more, uh, we get to things like the paranormal teen romance sexy vampire thing, or Anne Rice, or, you know, The Shape of Water, where you do are like, oh yeah, monsters are sexy, awesome. Um, but it's it's still very much, I think, rooted in, again, that idea that like the monster represents the thing you're not supposed to do or be or want. Um, and so they are very appealing because the, the moral story of the monster has always been like, ah, but if you do give in to this, you'll also become a monster or it'll kill you or it will suck you till you're anemic, till you can't get out of bed, as the lyrics for this song go into here. Um, I'm interested in the progression of monsters in the lyrics in this song. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> we start out with a, a vampire image here, right? I've left like the window half dragon. open. Yeah. My neck is yours. That's like clearly vampire, which is, I think, sort of the typically sexiest monster. Um, and I'm not saying that as like a personal opinion. That's like a factual <laughs> statement. <laughs> what is your I'm personal not, opinion? Now? I'm not like outing my weird kinks here. That's like factually vampires are historically the sexiest monster. Um, but the other ones we get, we get Wolfman, Catwoman. Um, not which a monster, again, just a superhero. <laughs> But like a a Catwoman, not the Catwoman, is a monster. Still not just a just a just an anime kink, I think. <laughs> well, definitely. I guess that's Cat Girl. Also, because she explicitly references the full moon, mm-hmm. right? And again, werewolves are sort of a—they're like on the sexier side of the scale. Certainly, I mean, there's you know something appealing about the animalistic sort of impulse-driven nature there and then this third verse is about mummies <laughs> which is not a monster that i've ever except i guess the first time i watched night at the museum ever been like wow mummies are sexy um i really it's the first verse is like is like you said it's all vampires and there's a lot to say about vampires yeah the second verse is all werewolf there's a good amount of stuff to say about werewolves and 
there's also some stuff about cats, like right. being her being a cat woman. Okay. Yes. And then the last one is about mummies, and it's like, ah, oh, shit, what's sexy about mummies? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, be the mummy of my dreams. That's nothing. Um, lift me from my bed of flowers, I guess, is something, and carry me to my king? I guess that's something. <laughs> that's all of the lyrics in the third verse. Mm-hmm. And then she just, just kind repeated. of sings about she be the mummy again. over and over. Yeah. Monster love. And then we get, after three verses on monsters, we get a uh, tearing tenor sax solo from David yeah. Murray, um, which I loved. Something that I enjoy about this is that it's very accessible jazz easy to listen to there's vocals but still intricate and interesting soloing lines in the saxophone um murray spends a lot of time inside the uh, typical chordal structure of the song but then goes occasionally dips into notes that are unusual like a sharp 11 um or um other uh, notes outside of the scale um, that keeps, I guess, the solo kind of spicy and surprising and interesting. Um, and he makes great effective use of um, the really high range on a saxophone, um, which technically is very difficult, um, called altissimo. Um, for our listeners, I used to play the tenor saxophone um, through high school and college, so Definitely can and we'll put in a, a clip of, of Gabe playing the saxophone here. Um, that's, <laughs> was yep, that it? Was that, <laughs> that, was, that the that's clip? the clip. Um, and I think he maintains kind of the whole, again, really playful nature of Be My Monster Love. It's hard to talk about fun monster songs and not talk about the sort of elephant in the room here. Uh, Elephants which are is, certain monsters? Uh, well, it depends what year it is and what continent you're on. Um, I think originally the Cyclopses in ancient Greek mythology might have been based on elephants. Yes, that oh. that is, a, uh, I think, a leading hypothesis for mm. um, the Cyclops <laughs> myth. But anyway, the elephant in the room that I'm talking about is the Monster Mash, which I feel like we need to talk about just, like, just spend 60 seconds on. I mean, what a great I mean, it's the most incredible song, song ever written. Right. I think that's all we need to say. Okay, great. Moving on to new tunes. Wait, can I just bring up one more? Can I bring up <laughs> yes. my runner-up just briefly? I, yes, absolutely. I felt like I should bring a full song, but I came very close to bringing just Nicki Minaj's single verse from Monster. Mm, yeah. I still hold that that is her single best verse she's ever written and recorded, which isn't a, a hit on Nicki Minaj because it's so good. No, it's it's just, it emphasizes just how good that verse is. I was, I've been reading, um, 
I'm working on a paper for finals right now, and I've been reading Yuri McMillan's um, Embodied Avatars, which is a performance studies book about um, objecthood and black female performance. And he dedicates his entire conclusion to Nicki Minaj's verse on Monster. And like well deservedly so that this academic text focuses so heavily on this like 50 seconds of music because it is phenomenal. Anyway, I just felt that we'd be remiss to do a, a whole episode about monsters without bringing this up. Yeah. This and Monster Mash. Yeah. The two most important monster songs. You see Kate, forget Barbie, fuck Nikki, should she stay? She on a diet, but her pockets and chase Kate. And I'll say, boy, the Chucky is Charles play. Just killed another career, it's a mild day. Besides, yay, they can't stand besides me. I think me, you, and Am should menage Friday. Pink wig, thick ass, give them whiplash. I think big, get cash, make them blink fast. Now look at what you just saw, this is what you live for. I'm a motherfucking monster! So this is the part of the show where we talk about music that has come out in the last week. Um, again, our criterion is actually last week as of recording. Um, so this is music that has come out um, the week leading up to November. Uh, what's the date? 14th. November 14th. Um, Christine. What new music did you find particularly enthralling, particularly thrilling this week? Yes. Um, so uh, Stormzy had a new album come out this week. Um, it's his album, Heavy is the Head. <clears throat> um, and I have brought the song One Second featuring her. But I knew he had a plan. Lord knows I'ma do it if I can. When I take a stand, they say I'm ruining my brand, but I could never give a fuck. That's just my duty as a man. So if I go on stage at bricks and tell the PM she's a bitch, then that's exactly what it is. And I don't want no bloody straps for it. Mommy always said if there's a cause, then I should fight for it. So yeah, I understand, but I don't I guess just some information about about Stormzy in particular. Um, he is uh very popular in the UK, not so popular here in the US. Um <clears throat> Uh, and part of his popularity in the UK not only comes from uh, how big the uh, the grime scene in the UK is, um, but also from a lot of his political activism. Um, he is known for very heavily critiquing uh, the Conservative Party and Boris Johnson and Theresa May in particular, which is why I feel like it was really relevant to bring him this week. He considers himself, I'm quoting from the Wikipedia page now, he considers himself a child of grime, uh, influenced by artists like I'm sorry, Wiley. did you say a child of Grimes? See, this is where I was going to go. I was going to say next time you guys need like an off week, instead of doing Grimes cast, you should do Grime cast. <laughs> Except I, I don't think either of you listen to Grime. But no, then again, it, it'll just be a you solo episode. <laughs> then again, Andrew doesn't listen to Grimes, so I don't know how much of a difference that would make. Fair enough. Um, but in, in addition to Grime, Stormzy also cites um, s certain R&B singers as major influences on his music, uh, particularly Frank Ocean and Lauryn Hill, which is an influence I think that in this particular song you can hear a lot more of. I am not the poster boy for mental health. I need peace of mind, I need to send myself to cover the enemy. That shit made me resent myself. There's people trying to spread the word and people that pretend to help. But how am I complaining when I'm blessed? I get this guilty feeling on the days I'm at my best when all these demons that I carry get to messing with my head. So could you give me just a second just to get off my chest, please? 
So you spent some time in the UK, Christine. I uh, did. Were you aware of Stormzy while you were at Cambridge? I was, yeah. Um, I mean, my, the majority of the time I spent in England was definitely before Stormzy's like major um, sort of political and musical uh, influence in terms of, of this album and its singles and this election in particular. Um, but the thing that I was aware of Stormzy through actually wasn't his music, um, but he there was some controversy surrounding him because he offered first to Oxford, who declined it, and then to Cambridge, um, a scholarship to fully fund two black students a year um, through their, their uh, years at Cambridge um, to sort of try to mediate the massive racial imbalance in the, the student bodies at those schools. Um, and the British conservative media was furious, calling him racist and all sorts of terrible things for basically just like trying to help black students be able to afford Cambridge or like encouraging them to apply to, yeah. you know, the, what are, you know, I'm heavy air quotes around this, but the best schools in England um, and, and sort of trying to do something about this massive, like, these disparate populations. Um, I think since then he has increased it, I want to say to six students a year, um, fully funded with like a, a living stipend as well. Um, and I, I still think this gets couched in terms of like, there are like 150% more black students at Cambridge now than there were. And it's still something like, I think the entire undergraduate student body at Cambridge has 61 black students at the moment. Damn. Uh, so not yes. many. Um, so I'd gotten familiar with Stormzy through that particular controversy, which was happening while I was at Cambridge. Um, and then got into his music because I'd heard of him through that. Um, uh, you know, I was this, like, naive American, like, ah, who's this Stormzy fella? And my friends were, like, here, let's just, like, sit down and listen. Um, but uh, his singles that have come out from this album over the past year um, have sort of been... Uh, I'm more familiar with his more recent music than I am with the music from when I was in the UK. So the reason that I picked this song in particular... Um, I mean, like I said, I think that hers hook in this song is really fantastic um and i also think it it really kind of characterizes what i really like about stormzy in terms like lyrically it's very honest um he says at one point um i am not the poster boy for mental health i need peace of mind i need to center self uh the cover of any of the me that shit made me resent myself um uh, when all these demons that I carry get to messing with my head, could you please just give me a second just to get them off my chest? <clears throat> there's, it's, yeah, there's just like a, a real honesty to his his lyrics that I, I really appreciate. This song in particular is pretty mellow and obviously uh, it trails off into basically just her and, uh, the, and, and a solo acoustic guitar, um, which I think is beautiful. Um, and as a contrast to the rest of the album, which absolutely bangs. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, which is very cool that um, he can make those sort of musical transitions. If you give me just one second of your time, I could tell you stories. 
Uh, Gabe, what new tune do you have for us this week? So I brought something that I would describe as pretty weird. Um, mm-hmm. The song is called Delicious Ape, in all yes. capitals, by the noise rock band known as Health, also in all capitals, featuring um, a duo called Shushu. Um, and this is an independent single that I don't believe is going to be associated with an album, um, and it's certainly not at the moment. They did release a new record this year, um, earlier in 2019, called uh, Volume 4, Slaves of Fear, also in all capitals. There's a bit of a theme there. Yeah, Gabe, what is with what is it with you and this all capitals thing? <laughs> I guess when I'm picking my music, Andrew, uh, I really look for song titles that really capture my eye as I'm scrolling through Spotify. <laughs> you're just sort of eyes unfocused, and when there's something big, you're like, oh, this one. This is the song. <laughs> this is it. But, you know, uh, the all capitals thing maybe fits in with their style. Um, they make pretty aggressive noise rock. Um and this is not the first time we've talked about noise in music, so I kind of want to clarify what I think of as noise. Um, and maybe you can go on this journey with me. Uh, oh, no, so... you're all on your own with this one. <laughs> all right. So noise is, to me, in music, noise means sound, but with a uh-huh. distorted and unusual overtone sequence, right? So normally when we play an instrument, it'll ring out in approximately octaves above that initial note. Okay. But in something that's percussive or noisy, we don't have a cohesive overtone sequence going up above that fundamental um, frequency. Does that make sense, Uh, Music Major Andrew? Yes. I would say... Maybe 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 a a better way of of saying it is is that um something that's noisier has a less ordered overtone sequence. Yes, I think that is probably a better way of saying it. None of these words mean anything to me, but I'm <laughs> living for this. Uh, this is for the music nerds who listen to our podcast and want a definition of noise. <laughs> um. So, okay, so that's a little bit about health. Um, their collab this for this song is with Shushu, um, who are a duo from my current town of residence, San Jose. Um, and it consists of Jamie Stewart and Angela Sio. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce her last name. Um, and they also make this more experimentalist uh, noise rock, I guess. Um, and... I've complained a little bit about San Jose's music scene previously, so people might be wondering, well, what about this great, pretty well-known group that's come out of San Jose? So I will just quote what they have to say about this town, which is that, quote, San Jose is a rotten place to be, so relentless touring was a way to get away. (laughs) Amazing. So, the song. 
strange. Not music I normally listen to, nor music that I would continue to listen to, but I thought it was nice to bring some variety. So there's pretty gentle guitars to start the song um, with, I would call it an eerie percussion in the background. And then all of a sudden, there's this explosion of Jamie Stewart, who is part of Shushu, his spoken vocals um, that are like a little bit in time and a little bit halting and out of time and syncopated. Um, And I'm just going to read part of what I managed to transcribe from this song, which is, Delicious ape, you are undelicious ape. Come and carry gross childish arms banging out of time on garbage drums. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. (laughs) See, you're like, this is not music I would continue to listen to, but I was like, you sent us this, and I instantly moved it to my study playlist for the month. (laughs) I loved this. (laughs) Oh, good. That's the point. Other people should be enjoying this music, even if I don't. (laughs) Um, um, But it is really interesting, um, I think, and... Um, I like how it's a little bit experimental and I do like that these vocals are spoken but they're not just like like overdubbed onto the music they are intentionally designed to be going with the rhythm of the song and there are aspects of the song that I think are a little bit beautiful um, the end has a really pretty harmonized duet with um, between uh, Shushu and the lead singer of Health which is Jake Dushik um yeah andrew what did you think of delicious ape i definitely listened to it and (laughs) from the beginning to the end and then i went and listened to something else harsh (laughs) all right so we're one for three on this podcast Andrew, what's your new song for this week? So I'm really blowing like two allowances in one episode. Um, I've already done Sufjan and my track, my new track for this week is Moses Sumney's new single that he dropped on Thursday night, um, which is called Polly. You love dancing with me Oh, you just love dancing Polly, Polly, Polly Have we talked about Moses Sumney on this podcast? I think Maybe we just must in reference have referenced to, to his takedown of Grimes. Um, yeah, but we probably also referenced when he dropped his earlier single oh, for this album, um, Viral, which I think came out two or three weeks ago, or maybe a month ago. Yeah, Moses Sumney is, is an incredible uh, musician. Um, has There's a Sufjan connection here. He did, he did uh, play with Sufjan, open for Sufjan in the past, and Sufjan did a great cover of his song, uh, Make Out of My Car, um, which you should check out. Great song. Uh, but this is off of his upcoming album, Gray. 
anyway, that's coming out um, in two parts in early 2020. Um, this is off, I think, the second part, whereas his first single, Viral, uh, was off the first disc. Um, and this song, Polly, is also poignant and powerful. Um, he released a great lyric video that's just the lyrics scrolling on the bottom with the song and a video of Moses Sumney, like, on a webcam, uh, just crying at the camera. Which, I guess, is then another Sufjan connection, because it sort of reminds me of the end of Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> yeah, but this is a really beautiful song. I sort of have a, some hypotheses about the meaning of some of I mean, obviously, some of it's obvious. Um... But I'll talk about that in a bit. First, I want to talk about two lines or two pairs of lines that really stuck out to me in this song. That oh, you're going to steal of made mine, the decision, That made the Go decision ahead. for me to, like, to blow my Moses Sumney on this week. Can um, I guess the two lines? The two pairs of lines? Yes. Can I, I, Well, I'm going to guess one of them. And you tell me if I'm right, and then I'm going to guess the other. Yes. Well, I, okay. let me say this first. These two pairs of lines are, like parallel it's the pair of the pairs of lines which makes me want to use it well i was gonna guess saccharine and slick technicolor Mm, that is not one of the lines although that's okay then i don't know but what a line saccharine and slick technicolor his consonants in this song are just they pop that one and cornucopia of just in cases were my two. Ooh, that's great but um the lines that i wanted to talk about um, that were really pointed to me are sort of the same thing. They, they're saying the same thing in a very different way. Um, the first pair is you love dancing with me or you just love dancing, which is mm. sort of the crux of the song is like, mm. are you with, or do you, are, do you have any feeling for me or are you just whatever? Are you just like he- here because I'm here? Am I here just because I'm, that doesn't make any sense. No, I think it that's made right. Sense it's the first like a, time you said it. <laughs> great. Um, a fundamental insecurity of love, right? Well, let me give you another angle on it, which is um, <laughs> this line near the end, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, which is really just there just to rhyme to the next line, which is, am I just your Friday dick? Um, <laughs> again, same thing in a little more blunt uh, phrasing. Um, but the, the combination of those two lines... Um, just yeah decided it for me that was like yeah this is i gotta talk about this song i think particularly that latter pair of lines i love how it's sung so beautifully but it is not really a particularly well written like i don't know like it's it it really uh achieves its purpose but it's not like it's not like poetic it's it's not right saccharine and slick technicolor it's am i just your friday dick but moses sumney's voice is spectacular and makes yeah. it sounds i don't know so emotional and floating yeah i think we're back um, to the be the mummy of my dreams question which is that the <laughs> lyric doesn't have to be good for it to do exactly what it's trying to do true absolutely although i would honestly i i think i i do want to say that although this line is obviously very blunt and kind of funny um I think the fact that it comes this late in the song after all of these more artful ways of saying the same thing um, makes it that much more powerful Yeah. in that he's gone through all of this like 
uh, sort of philosophical and poetic examination of this feeling. And at, and at a certain point, he's just like, he gets this point where it's just like, look, am I just your, your fucking Friday dick? Like, is that all this is? Instead of having this sort of like uh, philosophical, are you dancing with me or just merely dancing? One, two, three, four, five, six. Am I just your Friday dick? Cornucopia of just in cases. I also, as always, Moses Sumney's, his voice, like you said, Gabe, is incredible. And just his instrumentation and the production on this song, as on all of his music in the past, on his album A Romanticism, which came out a couple years ago, um, and all of his like little EPs and singles before that. Um, it's just incredible and ethereal and just wraps you up in this in this beautiful blanket of sound that is uh so so sad and powerful um can i just call out one more line from this song yes please i'm about to also do that so please go ahead you make me go unstitched yeah (sighs) wow i again i don't know maybe it's the way he's singing it um Maybe it's just the way it's written, but his emphasis on the consonants in this song is so wonderful to me. And he repeats it over and over again, right? Right off from the top, you have things like uh, sick of sycophants. Even the first line, you remain in motion. The the, the M's come to the fore. Hollow as a hallway. Uh, Cotton candy. Right, we talked about saccharine slick technicolor, um, and in the last verse, cornucopia of just in cases. Like, what? There are these lines where it's just like one consonant. Um, what, what do you call that when you repeat the consonant over and over again, Andrew? That's called consonants. <laughs> Guess who did not take any <laughs> liberal arts classes in college? I want to be cotton candy in the mouth of many. So, Andrew, what's new in the wonderful world of live music in Philadelphia? Well, Gabe, I'm so glad you asked. Um, Last Tuesday, uh, I went back to um, my neighborhood venue, Boot and Saddle and saw uh, Haley Hendrix. That's Haley spelled H-A-L-E-Y, and Hendrix spelled H-E-Y-N-D-E-R-I-C-K-X. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> um, and uh, the opener for that show is Trey Burt, who I was not familiar with, but is an awesome folk singer you should definitely check out. Um, very chill dude um, and great music has a very um yeah i'm gonna say it has a very bob dylan-y voice uh in a good way not a, not a current meant, bob dylan has voice. a bad voice no he has a good he has a good i mean i think in some ways he's emulating that that sound but also in other ways he definitely smokes a lot of cigarettes he played a couple um new songs i had not heard of him so i hadn't heard any of his songs but he also played a couple new songs that he was working on um that were really cool 
And um, I just, I was so impressed by him. And I, as he was leaving the stage, I was like, ooh, I wonder if, you know, the main event is not going to be as good because I really liked his stuff so much. And then Haley Hendricks came on and she was just fucking incredible. What kind of music does she make? She is a, a folky singer-songwriter, folky, rocky kind of person. She is an excellent guitarist as as well, um, like Trey Burt. Um, she played a bunch of new stuff also um, because her album that came out in 2018, she said, you know, I'm a pretty slow writer, so it took a while from writing some of the songs on that album for it to come out. Um, and then now she's been writing more and more stuff keep an eye out for a great song about a pedophile murderer that she met in a bar in belfast um and when i say that i also was not clear what she meant um she clarified it was a guy who had just gotten out of prison for uh uh for murdering a pedophile ah great. that's an important Good. distinction from Everyone somebody who is yeah. both a pedophile and a murderer yeah yeah she was like Big this difference. she was like yeah we were in this bar in belfast and we're like who is that guy and the bartender was like oh yeah he just got out of prison he's a, he's a pedophile murderer and everyone in the <laughs> audience was like "Ooh!" and then she's like no no i mean like he murdered pedophiles and i was like oh okay cool <laughs> uh, uh that definitely returns to our theme of monsters but <laughs> yeah yikes um but um, I really liked my favorite part. My favorite thing about this show that I saw was that it was just like a very folky night. I mean, it was folk music for one thing, but it felt very classically folky um, in a way that I think is slightly different from another folk show that I saw at Boot and Saddle, which was Joan Shelley, um, which I think we talked. It might not have made it through the edit, but we talked a little bit about um, modern folk and how it's not quite the doesn't quite have the political connection right in the same way that like uh, you know 60s and 70s folk did um or like we said in the turkey episode that folk in other places might um but this felt really classically folky and there were a bunch of covers like um the waters are wide or whatever that song's called um she played this uh john fahey tune john fahey is a folk guitarist instrumental guitarist and she like had written some lyrics for one of his songs, which was a really cool experience for her to perform. And then she closed the show with Trey Burt um, covering These Days. Um, so it was very much a classically folky show and just two very chill performers. Um, and it was a really fun night. There's also another great song that I was considering up until pretty late for uh, my new tune, which is a song called The Gospel of Mary by Josh Ritter and the Milkarton Kids. A really great song um, sort of talking about um, someone immigrating into America and reflecting that um, up against the story of, uh, you know, Jesus's birth, Mary and Joseph. So it's, uh, a really powerful and really poignant and I think a very important song. I would highly recommend listening to this uh, song, The Gospel of Mary by Josh Ritter and the Milkarton Kids. I think it is a very important song for our time and for the season um, and just in general. I wanted to point out a couple uh, 
things. First of all, how could we not mention Harry Styles' new record? No, how, I'm kidding. How could uh, we? <laughs> uh, the but Katrinata, who I enjoy, released a new record that absolutely bangs, and um, Anderson Pack's band, the Free Nationals, have a record out this week, which is Wait, I've fuck, listened to parts really? of and yeah. is excellent, um, and lots of great guest features. And finally, I want to point out one uh, like studio YouTube recording. Um, so one of my favorite artists from 2019, Nilfer Yanya, uh, yeah. covers live in studio Earl Sweatshirt and Frank Ocean's Super Rich Kids. Um, Damn. Which is awesome. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll drop a link in the show notes. So this was released 30 minutes ago as of this exact moment, <laughs> which is why I didn't have it because we've been recording for more than 30 minutes. But I knew it was coming out today, so I went to look it up. Um, Left at London just released a Christmas single called Santa's Homophobic featuring Sonic Fox and um, Sungwon Cho, better known as ProZD. Uh, and I haven't listened Wait, to it what? yet, but it sounds very promising. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I can, Wait, link can it. we all pause the podcast and listen to it? Can you send <laughs> yeah. us the link? <laughs> okay. Everyone shut up for however many minutes this is. God, not this again. I'm going to have a panic attack. What's wrong? What's wrong? Santa's not going to give me gifts again this year. Why? I guess he just doesn't like us gays. Dear Santa, when I was younger, you'd send me gifts every year. I'm looking at the lyrics on Bandcamp right now, and Oh, it's so good. (laughs) It's very good. Um, I should also mention all the proceeds on Bandcamp for this song are being donated to uh, the Seattle Counseling Service, a mental health and addiction counseling center for uh, the LGBTQ community in Seattle, which is great. The song's a dollar. I'm about to go buy it immediately. What yeah, a great... Yeah, sounds homophobic. <laughs> what a great Christmas anthem. We'll drop a link in the notes. Could be a lot of links in these show notes. <laughs> gonna be a chock full chock full notes of show okay um i just love i asked for a new pair of docks a sword and some poppers (laughs) 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 oh no i'm sorry best lyric i asked for a nintendo switch even though i'm a bottom (laughs) (laughs) so good Hey, Christine, if we wanted to see what you're up to creatively, academically, what would be the best way to to find you? Yeah, so the best way to find me and my stuff in aggregate is on Twitter, at cprevis. Um, everything sort of gets collected there eventually. Um, if you want to find the games that I design, those are uh, on cprevis.itch.io. And then... Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and not already listening to Andrew's other podcast that he does with me, you can find that, uh, The Unexplored Places, at Unexplored Cast on Twitter, Tumblr, and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, be sure to check out Christine's work. Um, their games are particularly excellent. 
So go find those. Again, see previous.h.io. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Fresh Pressed Pod. Um, we've got a website um, that is intermittently updated, still working on it, at freshpressedpodcast.com. Um, and if you want a playlist of all this music, we have an ongoing playlist on Spotify. Um, and there's always that link in the show notes. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. This has been Fresh Pressed. Um, thank you so much for being here, Christine. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And we'll see you next week, November 24th. Bye. What? Do you say November? <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> and we'll see you next week, December 24th. Bye. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>